Hello, and welcome to another episode of Forgotten Cello Music, coming to you from Traveling Cello. Hi, I'm Aaron. Today is episode 15. I'll be looking at the German cellist Bernhard Romberg, who was born in 1767 and died in 1841. Why have I chosen Romberg when I have largely been staying basically within the realms of the years 1850 to about 1910 or so? Well, while there is still dozens and dozens that I wish to do in that time frame, uh, speaking of the Goltermans and the Klingels, the Nolks, it occurred to me after doing some more reading, and today we'll reflect that, specifically reading from Vasilevsky's the violoncello and its history from the late 1800s that there was possibly some music that would do me some excellent good and not only that in my own studies as a student uh, when I look back and I've thought this for many years now there seem to have been lots of skipped-over opportunities in directing the path of my musical upbringing. Now, more specifically and less personally, the reason I'm looking into Romberg is really that he wrote lots and lots of cello music, and it's basically all neglected, with the exception of some, well, pieces that students learn. Uh, another reason is, and intriguingly, he played with a lot of musicians that are fairly well known, like Rijka, Ferdinand Ries, Louis Spohr, and there are some anecdotes where he at least shared the stage with the mighty Beethoven. Also, he has been given the, the high title of the founder of the German school of cello playing. Now, the next reason is because of the whole purpose of my project, Forgotten Cello Music. He wrote lots of music for cello, and it has completely fallen out of fashion. And then his concertos and sonatas are not performed other than by students. They're learned by students, and they do serve a very good purpose. They're excellent material to lead students from the elementary to Beethoven and Brahms and Mendelssohn and so on. So aside from the already utilized Breval, Eccles, Sammartini, and one Vivaldi, those sonatas, I think Romberg is something that should be in the standard student repertoire at the very least. And I also remember thinking retrospectively, I wish I could have learned some Romberg to help me cope with the more virtuosic style that I would encounter in the works of Brahms and Beethoven, specifically. 
Romberg's list of compositions is quite long. The total output are 78 works with opus numbers, 18 works without opus numbers, and three opus numbers that were collaborative. And many of these opus numbers contain multiple works or multiple pieces inside them. For example, I am currently undergoing opus 43, three cello duos. Then just for cello alone, I counted 60 works. Now one source that I looked up and found in the public domain is Baker's Dictionary of Musicians. Here's a little extract, um, very brief, jumping around the entry for Romberg. He says that Romberg was an excellent cellist. He says that he wrote nine cello concertos, and they are still admired today, as of 1919. However, IMSLP has listed that he wrote ten concertos, and then three concertinos. Many of these works for cello and a number of cello duos. Going on to the next source, the violoncello and its history. This is originally in German, Das Violoncello und seine Geschichte by Joseph Wasilewski. 1884. So a little introduction about this this large work that's only about cello. He goes by period, by era, and then within each era he breaks it down by country, and then in each country he breaks it down further by cellist. So when we get to the 1800s, there is a, a very nice two or three page introduction to the German school of cello playing. And this is where I begin now. Uh, Vasilevsky says, unusual opportunities for expansion in consequence of the demand for numberless competent artists. And uh, that is obviously uh, just an excerpt there. But I thought it was interesting because already at that point, there were so many really good cello players that he made mention of it. Then he goes on to say, Cello playing first received a really important and sustained impulse through the means of Bernhard Romberg. This artist acquired for German violin cello playing a significance similar to that which Louis Spohr gained for German violin playing, only with one difference that the latter master, that is, Louis Spohr, was far superior, that is, uh, to the former as a composer. Many of Spohr's compositions were still being performed in the late 1800s, whereas most of Romberg's music was either totally ne neglected or just used, like his concertos and sonatas, just used in the teaching studio. Indeed, he wrote a method book, but it was regarded as not very well written, quite wordy. Uh, it did mention that he used lots of excellent musical examples, uh, 
but it was written with unexpected directions, especially for a player of his technical prowess. Now to Romberg's bio specifically in The Cello and Its History by Joseph Vasilevsky. From page 114. Romberg was born in 1767 in Dinklager, a little Prussian village. Romberg excelled quickly at cello playing. Undertaking a concert tour around Europe, he was engaged to perform at the famous Concert Spirituel in Paris in 1787, which would make him 20 years old. After returning to Germany, he devoted himself eagerly to progressive studies and at the same time worked in the orchestra at Münster. The elector Maximilian Franz resided often in the Westphalian town of Münster and had his attention drawn to the two Romberg artists, that is Romberg and his cousin, and engaged them for his royal band at Bonn. The appointment date was December 1917-90. When the elector went to reside at Mergentheim, he caused about 20 members of his band to follow him from Bonn. Amongst them, besides Beethoven, who in addition to his office as organist, was also tenor player at the court, were also the two Rombergs. In one of the musical entertainments which took place at the apartments of the elector, Bernhard Romberg was heard in a concerto. Bosler's musical correspondence of the year 1791 contains a notice of it in which is said, Romberg combines in his violoncello playing extraordinary rapidity with charming rendering. This rendering is the more marked and decided when he is heard in connection with the greater number of violoncellists. The tone which he produces from his instrument is, moreover, especially in the expressive parts, extremely clear, firm, and penetrating. In 1794, he accepted an engagement at the Schröder Theater in Hamburg, but he did not long remain there. Three years later, they undertook together a concert journey in Italy, gave concerts on their return at Vienna, supported by Beethoven, and wherever Romberg played, his highly finished performances excited great enthusiasm. In this, his violoncello compositions, which were entirely in accordance with the taste of that period in a virtuoso point of view, and which, moreover, were distinguished by their solid quality above all other cello compositions of the time. Romberg's Compositions He collected many national airs along his many tours, his wide journeying, and made compositions from them. He further wrote ten concertos, three concertinos, a fantasia with orchestra, polonaises, as well as duets and sonatas with bass accompaniment for the cello. 
he wrote also chamber music as well as for the stage. These compositions have, however, not survived him, while on the other hand, his cello pieces maintain even at this time a certain value for teaching. Romberg promoted the advancement of the German cello playing chiefly by his activity as a soloist and also by his compositions, for on account of his many concert journeys, which led him sometimes in one direction and sometimes in another, he had not sufficient leisure for continuous and regular teaching. That does it for the sources that I will paraphrase and quote. Now for some musical perspective. Um, when did he live? Who was, who was around when he was, was alive? And shortly after he died. So Romberg was born three years before Beethoven was born. He was working for the elector in Münster, Maximilian Franz, who also employed Beethoven. The year 1790, that's when he was in, uh, engaged to play in Maximilian Franz, Franz's um, band, which is one year before Mozart died. Haydn was still alive and producing numerous hits and touring London besides, writing commissions. Uh, in Romberg dying in 1841, it meant that Schubert, Mendelssohn, and Schumann had already taken to writing romantic music with Brahms and Cessons and Dvorak and Faure soon developing the language of music yet further in taste and language from Romberg's out-of-fashion 18th century splashes of technical showiness. Um, as far as forgotten cello music, the composers and cellists thereof, uh, Goltermann was a young virtuoso at the end of Romberg's life. He was uh, about 20 years old when Romberg died. And Klingel would not yet be born for about 20 years after Romberg's death. In conclusion, Romberg's music was actually very popular at the time. Uh, students were learning it, uh, people were playing his concertos, and of course when he was traveling, as cited earlier, he was well received and people enthusiastically uh, attended his concerts. But he wasn't just a writer of cello music, he was quite busy writing string quartets. Uh, he wrote even a few staged works or at least overtures to staged works uh, and quite a number of symphonies. In regards in general to forgotten cello music, the more I play of this forgotten cello music, the more I'm finding it intriguing, fascinating, and just fun to bring to life music that I have never heard of. So with that, we are at the end of episode 15, an episode about the founder of the German violin cello.
Lane. Bernhard Romberg. Remember, play more forgotten cello music. Auf Wiedersehen. See you in the next episode. Thank you.